0: Good morning. Today's reading from the Word of God comes from 1st Corinthians chapter 2 verses 6 to 16. Please follow along in your own Bibles on the screen behind me or listen as I read the scriptures. Once again that's 1st Corinthians chapter 2 verses 6 through 16. Following the reading I invite you to respond in worship with the singing of the doxology. Doxology. At that time, children are invited to join kids' crew through the door on your right. Hear the word of the Lord. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. let's sing. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise
1: Good morning everyone, my name is Gene, I am one of the pastors here, Um, worship team, uh, thank you so much, Uh, I was weeping, (laughs) I'm I'm like tender right now, Um, thank you so much for leading worship, that was very beautiful, and uh, oh gosh, how am I going to go through this, Um, (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, you guys, um, it is part of our rhythm of worship. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, to sit in silence just for a moment, and this isn't just for me. Um, this is for everyone to, to kind of just see you. Where are you with the Lord right now? And, uh, yeah, so take, take this moment of silence. I'm going to get a tissue. And I'll open this up in prayer. Triune God, we, uh, uh, we praise you for your faithfulness, that you are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. I pray that uh, that reality just sinks into our hearts, uh, not just this morning, but every day, as we are walking with you in this wild life that we have. Let our hearts be receptive to uh, today's word. And may we bring you all the glory and praise. Pray this in the Son's name. Amen. All right. We we got this. We got this. All righty. So a fun fact about my wife, Natalie, and me is that we got married during COVID. Uh, During the pandemic, if you recall, and I get if some of you don't want to recall it, uh, many people were working from home or standing in lines that extended hundreds of feet just to get into Trader Joe's. Uh, It was difficult uh, enough to plan a wedding, and it was extremely daunting to plan a wedding during the pandemic. Uh, Even though Natalie and I felt uh, that way, we still wanted to get married sooner rather than later. If you play our cards just right, uh, this wedding would go off without a hitch. And so we made a list of important things uh, that we wanted to accomplish during uh, COVID. Uh, the first order of business was a guest list. Uh, New England states had limit uh, limitations to how many people can gather. Uh, indoors. Uh, event, indoor events capped at 100 people, and then uh, outdoor events capped at 200. Uh, these numbers were... Pretty big for our comfort, so we decided to have thirty people attend our wedding, uh, which was a huge bummer because there's so many family and friends that we wanted to uh, uh, that we wanted to celebrate with. Um, after finishing our guest list, the second order of business was uh, the venue and reception. Uh, we had a family friend who was a pastor in Connecticut, and he graciously offered his church space for us. And uh, his church was perfect because the sanctuary had windows on both sides that we can open up and have um, air circulation uh, go through uh, throughout the sanctuary. Uh, and there was a huge parking lot next to the church uh, that was great for our, our reception. And this was super important to us. Um, having the reception outdoors was non-negotiable because it reduces, uh, it reduced the chances of spreading covid a few weeks flew by, our wedding logistics came together nicely, securing uh, a caterer and renting AV equipment. Uh, we planned to get married in April, since it, w- it was the best option given our work schedules. And I don't know if any of you plan an outdoor wedding in April. Don't do it. It is, gosh, it is such a headache. Uh, it can be rainy uh, that month. Uh, Temperatures can dip uh, to freezing temperatures still, and there's a possibility for snow. Uh, Fun fact, it snowed before the day of our wedding, so I don't recommend it. Um, uh, As we factored in unpredictable weather, we thought it'd be wise to rent a tent. And things went smooth sailing until it wasn't uh, because we disagreed on the size tent we wanted. I thought getting a tent that seated 90 people would be plenty large uh, uh, for everyone to be socially distant, and it fell nicely uh, into our budget. Natalie, on the other hand, thought a large one would be more fitting for our context. The cost for a larger tent would tighten our budget a little more than what I hoped for. We had countless discussions as to why we preferred one size over another, And it's the kind of conversations where we felt like we were talking in circles, saying the same thing, but just uh, in new ways. We both valued safety as a priority uh, at our wedding. We agreed that there should be uh, a line item in our budget for a tent. But we disagreed on what this would look like practically. We disagreed on the flexibility of the budget to accommodate what we thought was safe enough. We needed wisdom to discern what would be the best decision for us. Uh, Maybe you have or haven't planned a wedding during COVID, but perhaps you've been in a situation where a decision wasn't clear. There may have been uh, more than one option uh, that seemed reasonable or no options seemed reasonable. What then is the best way to move forward? Uh, This morning, we are continuing our sermon series called Elephants in the Church, Hot Topics uh, in the Corinthian Letters. And today, we are going to explore wisdom. Now, when we hear the word wisdom, what pops into our heads? Maybe it's a character from a movie who embodies this trait, like Yoda from Star Wars, or Mr. Miyagi from Karate Kid. Uh, These characters share philosophical insights using only a few words. Or it can be an author who shares deep reflections about life after losing a loved one, like Michelle Zahner's Crying in H-Mart or C.S. Lewis's A Grief Observed. Another uh, expression of wisdom can be demonstrated by experts in a specific field uh, who impact the entire generation like Dr. uh, Dr. uh, Becky Kennedy. Uh, Time Magazine has an article about her titled How Dr. Becky Became the Millennial Parenting Whisperer really impressive. But here's the thing, wisdom doesn't always come from, place, from places our culture expects. We tend to expect wisdom from the most learned of people or our elderly relatives or those who have a lot of experience. But wisdom can come from, uh, from people we may not expect. It can come from people with cognitive disabilities who often see life uh, with a kind of clarity others can uh, can sometimes miss, or even children express wisdom that cuts to the heart of the matter, and they speak speak wisdom beyond their learning lots of associations we uh there are a lot of associations we can make when we think about wisdom and it's nearly impossible to reduce this topic into a neatly tight package or concept within a 20-minute sermon so this morning we are going to explore discernment as a specific trait of wisdom but before I move on, I like to make a distinction between wisdom and knowledge. Wisdom and knowledge. Uh, sometimes we think wisdom, we get, get it mixed up with knowledge. But wisdom and knowledge aren't the same thing. Uh, knowledge is learning facts, information, or truth through studying uh, from tex- textbooks or reading reputable online resources. Uh, we learned from math class that the Pythagorean theorem is A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Uh, Wisdom, on the other hand, isn't about memorizing facts or becoming an expert in a particular subject. Uh, There is this element of sensibility involved. Uh, For example, your child may be uh, technically the age to watch a PG-13 movie, uh, but he might be too sensitive to watch specific films with that rating. Wisdom is applied at that moment. Maybe you're making a decision between... Uh, staying at your current job uh, where you can work from home or accepting a new position that, are, that offers a higher salary but it requires you to commute to Boston every day. You'll need to discern what's right for you. Uh, there's a fun, fun quote by Miles Kington that summarizes the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Uh, he says, knowledge is knowing that tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. I thought that was really clever too. <laughs> um, what decisions require you to exercise wisdom in your life? How can you discern an option that, that makes the most sense to you in your context? Wisdom can ensure that we've processed uh, uh, all the pot- uh, potential scenarios or solutions to a problem. It might mitigate choices we, might, uh, we may regret later on. It can guide us to make financial decisions so that we can be generous with our treasures. Uh, Wisdom can allow us to discern what investing in our children's future may look like. Uh, Parents and guardians have so many options to choose from, whether it's the type of school or the kind of extracurricular activity that their child wants to participate in. We want the generations after us to have bright futures, but don't always know what that looks like. I mean, so many of us have uh, tons of time uh, on our hands. Uh, there are countless ways uh, to spend our time, either for ourselves or for with other people. How do we? Uh, how do? We, how can wisdom be used to help us spend our time well? Uh, this desire for wisdom isn't unique to our culture. Uh, the first century Greco-Roman world also desired wisdom, but for different reasons. Uh, Wisdom had a specific function during the time when Apostle Paul wrote the letters to the Corinthians around 54 AD. If people thought you were wise back then, they would consider you, uh, you to be a person of honor, a person of honor. And like what we talked about last week, this is such a big deal. Honor was highly sought after during Paul's day. It determined whether or not you mattered in that society. I mean, having money and power was one thing, but those paled in comparison if it meant that one more person deemed you as honorable. And this is key. Honor was governed by the public's perception of you. I couldn't say, look at me, people of Corinth. I am a man of great honor. No, I'll be a a fool for making such a claim. Instead, traits like your citizenship status, your family, uh, what family you belong to, your political alignment, your occupation contributed to your honor status. And one occupation that can get you honor was being a great public speaker. Uh, Famous public speakers would visit Corinth and share their philosophical reflections and insights And these ideas were challenged by other public speakers. Uh, When uh, these speakers debated, they could show off their wisdom by defending their perspective about philosophical mysteries of their time. If you had wisdom on top of of eloquent speech, sound logic, and unparalleled rhetoric, you'd be easily in the 1% of of the most honorable of their day. The winner of the debate would gain what everyone envied honor. So it makes sense why the people in the Greco-Roman world chased after wisdom. It was a a tool in their utility belt to potentially gain honor in the public eye. And similar to the people of their day, uh, Christians living in Corinth yearned for wisdom. And that, my friends, is an understatement. Let me throw in some uh, stats about uh, the word wisdom used in the New Testament. Um, It appears 28 times in Paul's letters. So all the letters that he's written to, all the different churches, it appears 28 times. 15 of them, so that's more than half, occur in the first two chapters of 1 Corinthians. And so for whatever reason, the church of Corinth was more obsessed with wisdom than Ken was with Barbie. So part of Paul's first letter to the Corinthians dealt with this subject matter. Uh, Just before the passage that Molly read for us this morning, Paul plainly told the Corinthians that he didn't use fancy rhetoric or persuasive arguments to convince them of the gospel. Instead, the power of the Holy Spirit alone convicted them. And with that in mind, he taught how God's wisdom was different from the wisdom possessed by rulers of their day. And these rulers probably refer to politicians or intellectuals living among them. But it wouldn't be far-fetched for Paul to also include spiritual beings uh, uh, in this category of rulers. Whether this verse is interpreted uh, as political leaders, spiritual entities, or both... These wise rulers in this passage didn't understand God's wisdom because it was shrouded in mystery. It was kept hidden for a time. How, how come? Why conceal God's wisdom from creation? And I, I don't think God purposely kept it a secret, but their focus on earthly wisdom prevented them from understanding God's wisdom. If they had known Jesus as the glorious Lord, then they wouldn't have crucified him. Yeah, crucifixion. Uh, like like we, what we learned from last week, the cross was an instrument of torture and execution used in case anyone committed a crime that warranted it. It was a, a type of capital pun, punishment for criminals who went against the Roman emperor or religious uh, disruptors who rocked the boat just enough to get them crucified. Whatever unlawful uh, behavior a person had done might cause them to end up on some wooden beams. But the cross didn't function only as a punishment uh, for felons. It was also used to bring shame. You see, the the crucifixion was a spectacle, a public uh, spectacle. Uh, As wrongdoers hung on the cross, they were visible to every man, woman, and child. It was common for the person to be completely naked on the cross as well. Their entire body exposed with the arms stretched out and legs bare before the world to see. They couldn't hide themselves from the disgrace and shame as they suffered and eventually died. And it was Jesus who laid bare on that instrument of torture and execution. The the promised Messiah, the long-anticipated Christ, the Savior of God's people, whatever tyrannic nation that dominated Israel at the time. All of Israel's hope and dreams were placed on this prophesied figure. And it was the glorious Lord who took our pain and bore our suffering. The glorious Lord whose hands were pierced for our transgressions. The glorious Lord who hung on the cursed tree willingly bearing our guilt and our shame. How could Paul consider the crucified Christ as wisdom? How could any of his contemporaries make sense of this? How can this make sense to us? Um, My parents were nominal Catholics uh, at best, and you can guess that they didn't really raise my brother and me with Catholic values, uh, but every now and then, we would attend Mass uh, when I was in elementary school. Uh, uh, the Korean Catholic Church we visited had a service for English speakers and a service for Korean speakers. We attended the Korean one. Uh, I was in hot water because uh, my Korean was and still is a speaking level of a first grader. Kind of embarrassing. And so, sitting in the pews and hearing the priest preach in Korean uh, was a fruitless experience. Uh, the words from the priest just went through one ear and out the other. And so to help kill time, I would grab envelopes uh, for ties that sat next to the hymnals and made little paper airplanes out of them. Uh, my parents would nudge, uh, discreetly nudge me and give me this look of like, you better stop that right now or else. Eey. So uh, as I shoved the envelope into my pocket, I just sat there counting the minutes for the monotony to end. But there was one thing that did catch my, catch my attention at this church. Uh, this church had beautiful, beautiful artwork in the cathedral. And Granted, most of the pieces were images of dudes with really embarrassing haircuts. And looking back, I now know that they are revered saints, but still with questionable hairstyles. Uh, one piece of artwork that intrigued me was called Stations of the Cross. Uh, this piece of artwork depicted the day of Jesus' crucifixion and key moments that he endured until he died. And as a kid, I, I, uh, looking at these images and not knowing much about Christianity, I was puzzled yet curious. Why did this guy go through so much? How come he, he didn't flee to a different country just to escape this punishment? What did he have to gain through all of that? And as a kid, these thoughts quickly evaporated as I saw from the, from the corner of my eye my brother holding some church donuts, and I beelined for those donuts. Uh, the stations of the cross wasn't clear from my perspective. I didn't grasp Jesus and the cross at that time. Well, neither did Paul. Uh, neither did the rulers of Paul's day. Uh, in fact, the gospel was a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. God chose uh, foolish things uh, in creation to confuse the wise and the weak to shame the strong. As God flipped expectations on its head, they couldn't rely on their intellect or wisdom to comprehend God's truths. Only God could unveil the meaning of Jesus crucified. And these conundrums had been answered by the Holy Spirit. And this is true for every believer. When Christ rose from the dead and appeared to his disciples, Jesus revealed how he came to fulfill the law Uh, That was written about him in the Law of Moses, the Prophets, and the Psalms. And then the Gospel of Luke recorded this. Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. The the disciples didn't gather uh, together to conjure up some scheme to convince the masses to be Jesus followers nor did they understand God's mysteries by themselves. Instead, they, encountered, they had an encounter with God who revealed the scriptures to them. And this was also true for Paul. Uh, before Paul proclaimed, uh, proclaimed the good news, he persecuted Jesus' followers. I mean, he relentlessly ch- uh, chased and killed Christians until he had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. Uh, Jesus himself told them to stop because persecuting Christians meant that Paul's persecuting him. And then the Holy Spirit used Barnabas and other apostles to open Paul's mind to the scriptures. These disciples weren't convinced by cunning rhetoric or persuasive logic. Human craftiness or, and wise counsel weren't the reasons why they uh, gave their lives to Jesus. It was solely the words taught by the Spirit. Paul and his companions experienced this. And he wanted the same thing for his fellow believers in Corinth and for us. Uh, back to me and my brother at that Catholic church. Um, as I enjoyed this awesome church donut, I thought, of the, I thought the images from the stations of the cross were a fleeting, uh, a, a fleeting curiosity. Instead, it was the seed planted in soil that stayed dormant until my senior year of high school when I began to ask more of these existential questions. Uh, Friends from that high school were kind enough to engage in these conversations with me. Uh, As our chats uh, dove deeper into uh, philosophical and religious topics, uh, they encouraged me to check out their Bible study and to keep asking these questions. Never once did I feel like uh, uh, that they had an agenda to convert me to their faith. I never felt like a project to them. My friends responded with the utmost curiosity and and genuine kindness. And months passed and I found myself attending their uh, Sunday worship service and weekly Bible study. And I slowly read through the Old and New Testament and recorded questions in a notebook along the way. And that seed planted by the stations of the cross was watered by my church friends. And by God's grace, that dormant seed began to sprout and take root. Uh, pictures illustrating Jesus carrying the cross that I saw at that Korean Catholic church became a lot clearer. And here's what I started to realize the triune God who we worship is relational and created us to be part of that fellowship since the beginning. And when Adam and Eve broke God's trust, he banished them from the Garden of Eden, but God never abandoned them. God refused to allow humanity to be permanently separated from God and so sought out a way to restore that broken relationship. Covenants were made between God and Israel. Generation after generation, Israel attempted to stay faithful uh, faithful to God by living according to these covenants. Some did okay. Most of them didn't. Thankfully, repairing this relationship didn't depend on Israel's fidelity, but God's. And God remained faithful by sending his son, Jesus, to show us the way to the Father. in order for humanity to have life with God, Jesus had to bear our sin and shame on that wretched cross. And death did not have a final say because Jesus conquered all by raising from the dead. It's the the resurrected Jesus, uh, the resurrected Jesus opens the door for us to have a restored relationship with him. Now, did I figure this out on my own because I was some 18 year old genius full of wisdom? No, of course not. It was the work of the Spirit who used my friends to unveil God's wisdom. For me. And not only did the Spirit open my mind to understand God's Word, God has given us the Spirit to understand life with the mind of Christ. And as the Spirit dwells within us, we have access to God who can help us understand what He has given. And the Holy Spirit enables us to test and discern what spirits are from God and what spirits aren't. So how do we then know if we are listening to the Spirit of God? Uh, one litmus test for, uh, uh, for the Spirit's work in us is love. Love gives us the ability, ability to measure what would be the most beneficial to, uh, towards our neighbor. It can look, uh, look like taking time to listen to a friend vent about a really difficult work week and setting aside plans made that evening. Because it's far more loving to be present with that friend who's in pain and hurting than to just make it to that appointment. It may uh, be more loving to wait on an important decision for a couple of weeks instead of rushing into it. There's wisdom when taking time to uh, uh, assess and evaluate situations before committing to uh, something really significant. How about situations where love can't whittle things down? How do we exercise wisdom then? Uh, it's important to have other siblings in Christ to weigh in their option, or their opinions, their expertise and their experiences. Uh, the search for insight along, uh, along those who you trust and respect can go such a long way. Uh, they can bring uh, perspectives uh, that we may not have uh, considered. And processing and discerning with others can be an answer to prayer when we ask God to provide more wisdom when the situation doesn't have a clear answer. Uh, How else can we listen well to God for wisdom? And sure, I can encourage us to keep reading our Bibles or to continue praying. I mean, these are definitely fruitful practices uh, to deepen our relationship with Christ. And I encourage us to continue those rhythms. But I don't want to leave us with just that. Uh, one discipline I've incorporated recently is giving, extra t- uh, giving myself extra margin throughout the day just to sit with the Lord. Um, sometimes my day can be full of uh, pastoral care, uh, meetings with, uh, with folks in our congregation with, or for pastoral care. Other days I might be prepping for next Sunday's worship or working on a sermon. Uh, whatever my schedule look, looks like, I try to find space in my calendar to step away from all my work, to step away from all the busyness of life, and just to be still before God. Uh, for me, that can be sitting in the pews here uh, on a Wednesday afternoon, or if time allows it, I, will love, I love going on a walk around Beverly or in Salem just to, sit, uh, just to be with God. Uh, I intentionally make, uh, even if it's just for five minutes, I intentionally make space to have these check-in sessions with Jesus. Uh, I find myself bringing joys, stresses, prayers, and just literally anything to God in these moments of stillness. And these short respites uh, sprinkled throughout the day provides me an opportunity to be intentionally, uh, to be intentional with, with Jesus. And I'm, I'm becoming more attentive to the Spirit as I go about my day because of this. Uh, This practice has given me greater uh, mindfulness to lean on God day in and day out. And being more attuned to the Lord has benefited me to find Christ in in situations where I need God's wisdom. I encourage you to try this out if this sounds feasible, uh, a feasible practice uh, in your daily routine. Uh, Church, be encouraged that the Holy Spirit is with us. Whenever we encounter a difficult situation uh, that requires wisdom to discern how to move forward, seek the Lord's counsel. God may provide clarity in our prayers through the siblings, other siblings in Christ, through the scriptures or through these uh, short respites throughout the day. But remember that we have the mind of Christ because the Spirit is with us. Let's pray. Uh, Father, Son, and Spirit, I, I give you thanks and praise that you are with us, that you continue to be with us through uh, your Spirit now. Now, often we can we can forget that reality that the Spirit dwells with us in us, that our bodies are the 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 tabernacle, the temple, a dwelling space for the Spirit, and so. Help us to be mindful of that reality, Lord, as we seek out wisdom, as we discern what is the best choice for our family, for our uh, careers, for our personal lives. And may our lives reflect more and more uh, like your goodness, Jesus, where we love our neighbors and our, as ourselves. Where we Proclaim the good news to the poor. Be with those who are hurting. So I pray, Lord Jesus, that you may give us uh, the bandwidth to set just a few minutes to be with you, to sit with you, to bask in your presence. Pray this in your son's name. Amen.